0: I find myself more and more telling people like, hey, you need to get out of that church because that's trauma and abuse when some of those things are happening. And the hopeful side of it is I believe God wants us to have crisis of crises of faith. I think he wants us to challenge our beliefs on a regular basis because we're going to find something new and different and amazing in God's character as we do so. Don't be afraid to lean into that unknown. It's okay not to have all the answers and to be learning and growing. It's actually really good.
1: For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is The Nonpartisan Evangelical, where we're challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Happy Saturday. Good afternoon for those of you who are not on the West Coast. We spend our Saturday mornings on TikTok going live to the people because we just we've gotten a lot of feedback from our circle of. Evangelical churches, which we come from, I was raised Southern Baptist, Paul was raised Assemblies of God. So the funny thing is our stories are like, we read the exact same Sunday school curriculum. We sang the exact same hymns. Every little thing about our churches were identical, except for Baptists believe, once saved, always saved, and Assemblies of God, people spoke in tongues and believed in more charismatic things. And we thought the other
0: was going to hell.
1: I was raised believing (laughs) that not only do you need to ask Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, but then also, you need to fill out membership at a Southern
0: Baptist church yeah, to yeah. go to
1: heaven. Like, you have to have both church membership and say the sinner's prayer.
0: Well, and I was talking about that in the Bible chat this morning that we always say, oh, it's it's all grace. It's all grace. It's all the grace of God. And, of course, there's this verse that you have to follow. But it's yeah. all grace. Yeah. And there's this other rule that's going to send you to hell, but it's all grace.
1: And Jesus is everything. He's all you need unless you screw up this week, in which case then you're going to hell. So you got to come back next (laughs) Sunday and get saved. again. that was your church
0: experience. Yes, absolutely. The church service wouldn't end until three people came to the altar to confess their sins. Yeah. so you had some people that would just do that every week that would help speed and, that and up so you could get the lunch.
1: In the Baptist church, it was not just come confess your sins, it was come get saved. And which is hard because if you don't have any visitors and you believe one saved, always saved. Like <laughs> we had this one lady who would always go forward and Ann Curtis, God bless her, rest her soul. I'm sure she's passed by now. But anyway, so she would get saved like very frequently. And I would always be like, wait, she got saved last week. I thought once you got saved, you
0: couldn't lose your salvation. I did want to comment on one other thing and then we can do this. So okay. this is Ruben who says, I just came out as trans. How would you deal with rejection from the church that disagrees with this? I talk about this a lot. I don't know. I, so mostly what I just say is Reuben, you be you. We love you. We think you're amazing. I think God thinks you're amazing. I'm I just, the end of my video that I did yesterday was like, why don't we just say we're sorry church to the people that we've traumatized with the shame we put on people. So mostly I just want to say, I'm sorry. That's been your experience with the church. We've just been taught really poorly what the Bible says and who God is and how we're supposed to react. So in some ways I have grace for evangelical people because they've just been taught really poorly. And we've all come to this groupthink belief, but at the same time, that doesn't excuse the massive amount of trauma that we've put on people. And so I'm sorry, Ruben, that that has been your experience. And I just want to say, God loves you. So how do you deal with it? I, I say, don't expose yourself to it. If, if you can't find a community that believes you're fully worthwhile, and fully worthy of God's love, and worthy to participate in that community in any way you you choose and feel is is your way to go. Then, don't be a part of that community. Yeah, um, because you deserve to be loved and valued.
1: You actually heard this week from, was it a mom of a trans yeah woman, and then another trans person? And the mom of the trans person was saying like what am I going to do? Because I know my church, how they're going to react about my child. And I'm just going to have to, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm just going to have to take them out if if they go after my child. And we just were both so inspired by Mm -hmm. that mom's heart for her child. And just, I hope Ruben, that you've got that kind of love and support in your life. And then I saw someone in the chat say, go to an LGBTQ plus accepting church. I think that's a really fantastic suggestion. And I'm seeing already a good number of comments about like people having crises of faith. And maybe that's a good place for us to jump in on our week because okay. we had we had a similar experience with a friend of ours. And I won't go into detail, but just we, we are seeing this a lot, you guys, like people exactly what's being expressed in the chat. There's more evidence to walk away from faith than to stay connected and committed. So what? maybe take us through that, how you're thinking about it.
0: I'm thinking about my faith?
1: Yeah, because you've been on a journey.
0: I would say for one, other great creators on TikTok, April A. Joy, Jeremy, that pastor from Oklahoma. We've started a new page together called Evangelical-ish. And I say that not to do a commercial for it, but do go check it out. And we're going to do a live stream together Wednesday night. But it's interesting because Jeremy's still on staff at a church, but all of us are have been walking through a journey and whether we would call it a crisis of faith or just our eyes being open to, oh, wow, this doesn't look, we're there. And so many are. You're not alone in all of a sudden saying, hey, this stuff doesn't make sense because we've all had to be a little bit Disconnected from some true things. That doesn't really make sense, but I really love these people. And I really love this church and I love my faith until it gets to a point where you're just like, I can't be a part of this anymore. And even talking about political ideology, I'm still registered Republican. And I'm like, can I be a Republican anymore? This party's disgusting. I don't want my name affiliated with this. Yeah, and, and so those crises, yeah. so part of the thing is, you get to mourn it. You get to feel badly. And one of the things I was saying yesterday, Rachel Held Evans wrote a book called Searching for Sunday. And she she said, the way I am with my faith, as she left her evangelical background, is she said, I'm like the girl that breaks up with her ex, but then checks his Facebook page every day, hoping something has changed. And so I think that's where I am with kind of the church that I grew up with. I wish it would change But I'm very much in a season where I'm like, oh, it's never going to change. This is this. And in fact, maybe this is what it is. And this is what it's always been. And so now and I really am hesitant to do this sometimes, but I am I find myself more and more telling people like, hey, you need to get out of that church. Because that's trauma and abuse when some of those things are happening. And the hopeful side of it is, I believe God wants us to have crisis of, crises of faith. I think He wants us to challenge our beliefs on a regular basis because we're going to find something new and different and amazing in God's character as we do. So, don't be afraid to lean into that unknown. It's okay not to have all the answers and to be learning and growing. It's actually really good. It's good for a human being to do that and really exciting and. I don't know. I think I feel like I get to love people the way I never have before. I get to read the Bible the way I never have before. And I love it.
1: I want to just do a quick shout out here because metastatic millennial says, hi, pastor. I got into my clinical trial. Thank you for praying. And she put that in there twice. Oh, so I want to make sure that you saw that. Tori, awesome. I
0: think Tori is your name. And she has terminal cancer, if I remember correctly. Oh my goodness! So Tori, I think oh, that wow. I hope I have your oh, name wow, right. Wow. So we are got praying with t-
1: everyone who's listening. I hope we've got the name. But I believe it's Tori. I am so talking right. about Tori. Yeah. Just let's be praying for Tori for miraculous intervention and medicine and the best scientists and doctors. Okay. So I want to, I want to say, I want to react to what you just said and say a little bit. So by the way, yes, it's Tori. Okay, good.
0: <laughs> All right. Good. Yes, yeah. Tori, man. I'm, um, I'm happy to hear that. Thank you. I'm glad you caught that.
1: Yeah. So We always start off our little Saturday morning thing being like, all right, we just want to share, we want to share our lives. We want to share our week and really see where the conversation goes. So our plan, our plan was to do that and just reflect on things that stood out for the week and then see where the conversation takes us. But I think having seen the comments in the chat and you posted a couple of videos on this point this week about just coming out of the evangelical church, etc. I want to share what my experience was like being attached to you going through this. okay? (laughs) Okay, And I'll be short, I promise. I guess I'm one of I'm one of those people who like currents of faith run really deep in me. And it's not hard. It makes me emotional thinking about it. It's just not hard for me to connect to faith. I don't ask a lot of questions, to be honest. I'm a little more of just doer, get things done, working mom, get things done. I don't spend a lot of time doing existential kinds of thinking. I of course see the disgustingness that is the Republican, the religious, of course. But in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I don't believe it. Chunk it, move on. I don't like focus on it. And But I'm married to somebody who has a different approach and a different gifting in this area. And and then our daughter is also very existential in her thinking and like always asking life, like pondering life's big questions. So I'm going along my happy way, I'm like yeah, all this stuff is nonsense. Does everybody know that's not really God? That's just man-made stuff. And my husband's like, hey, I think I'm going to leave the church, and I'm just like, oh wait, what are, what are we doing? What do you, you mean
0: not? Not go back pastoring. to regular attendance well, it, yeah. it
1: started with i'm i need to step out of the pastorate, which i understood that entirely because yeah. but to be honest like pastoring a startup church for 10 years like that's a long time and you people get tired of you you get tired of people it was like the right time we were mutually
0: tradition. tired of each other Ooh,
1: apologies our, our, camera, just <laughs> our camera just fell
0: sorry you two.
1: Like we watched for maybe a couple of (laughs) weeks on TV. And then we're like, you know, actually we're like, we're feeling like that season is totally done for us. And
0: keep talking. I know it's hard.
1: All right. And so here's, so I have been on a little bit of a roller coaster and not knowing like, where am I supposed to be anchored? Here's where I come down. I so I so value and appreciate like his pursuit because I know his heart is pure and is after the God stuff, not man stuff, God stuff. So I realize that without Paul in my life, I would probably be, I don't know what I would be, but anyway, so I value that, but also I just need to find a place where I can be like, Hey, if I can just reflect on who I have experienced God to be in my own personal prayer time or worship time or whatever, if I can just shut out the noise and be able to think about the love of, that's expressed through Jesus and meditate on that, then all the other stuff, I don't really need to answer some of these big questions that you always fill in need to answer. <laughs> Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And I, I think we've learned to work well together in that. Yeah. So I see a lot of you talking about your journey, some asking if I had studied other faiths, I've landed at the place. I've tried being an atheist at one point in my life in college, and I've looked at other things, and I realize now, I was on a podcast with an atheist the other night, I said, and I totally realize my belief is probably socialization as much as anything. I grew up in a Christian home. It was what we believed. It's how we viewed God through the prism of the Christian Bible, and that's probably where I'm going to end up in my life, and I'm okay with that. I've definitely come to a place where I don't have to convince you to become, is the microphone in your way of the bit. comments? <laughs> see if we can good. fix that somehow. I don't know if that works. And I'm way less, everything in our life, and I put the web, web address in, it's the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. Everything in my life growing up was dictated around my parents' fear that we were going to end up in hell one day. And, and that if we just took a one misstep we were going to end up in hell. It but was, also,
1: let's be honest, that was driven by that. But also, what are people going to think about us here okay. on Earth? And yeah. that's ev- that's right. Up-
0: that's a big part of it, because we. My dad was a pastor, and so we were very concerned about that. But.
1: they're asking about the podcast you did with the atheist. Where would, I think that's not been
0: released yet. yet. Will
1: you put it up on your page? I
0: will. I will. And it'll be in the newsletter. If you go go to the website, pastor-paul.com, you can sign up for our Insiders newsletter. We'll have it in there. I think they're holding it. This actually is pretty cool. He told me we're holding it because we're going to join a new network and we want your show to be the first one on the new network. So yeah. Love that. And his name is David C. Smalley. You can find him on TikTok as well. But yeah, so my life, much of my life growing up and through really meeting this woman was dictated by I don't want to go to hell or a determination of I'm going to hell. So I might as well just be a real wretched human being on earth. And so now I'm convinced that we really have misinterpreted that you really start looking at hell in the Bible. And it really talks very little about this eternal fire damnation thing. And I say, I'm not dictated by my fear of going to hell anymore or trying to keep anybody else from hell. Because whatever hell is going to be, it's not going to be a trick question. I, I was actually telling the story it's in Bible chat of being in a pizza hut as a kid. And do you remember the song Cold as Ice by Foreigner? Do you know, You're you as see? cold as ice, willing to sacrifice. Anyway, and the, and I liked the song. It's a terrible song, but I liked it then. And, and I was just sitting there in Pizza Hut going, Jesus, forgive me, Jesus, forgive me, Jesus, forgive me, because I really liked this song. And I wanted to listen to this song. But I was certain that if I liked this song, and Jesus came and the rapture happened at that moment, I would be left behind. And I just I think that is significant shame and trauma we're putting on people. And so heaven hell is not going to be a trick question. It's not going to be like, oh, you picked door number one and you should have picked door number two. Let's make a deal. It's going to be all about the connection to the creator of the universe. And so let's just get off some of the nuttiness of if you don't tell gay people they're going to hell, you're a false teacher. This stuff is ridiculous. So let's well, get off of
1: it. In my version of that, a foreigner song is, so my dad, this will be like evangelical church trivia for some of you. Do you remember E.E.? E.E.? Evangelism. Oh, evangelism
0: explosion. I was thinking of a rock band named E.
1: My dad was on staff at a large Southern Baptist church in Northwest Arkansas in the 70s and 80s. And this was during the D. James Kennedy, the evangelism wave. And they were doing E.E. schools and training people from all over the world. My dad in Arkansas, people would come from all over the world to go to his school. And people go to Florida and get this training And it was all about how to ask people two questions. And you wore a little lapel pen that had two question marks on them. And, and the first question is, if you were to die today, do you know if you would go to heaven or hell? And then number two, if you were standing before God in the gates of heaven, and he asked you, why should I let you in? What would you say? Okay. So they trained millions of people on those two questions. And what are the right answers? And I remember feel like go rehearsing the answers in my head. Um, like, I, I know the answer. I'm, I'm going to be okay. So anyway, that's the same. You keep talking. I'll read the comments.
0: Okay. Um, I don't know if you're stopping because you're reading comments or. Well,
1: yeah. Or probably. you made your point. No, I think I made my my point. My point was really, I remember probably being three years old, four years old. And like my dad coming in for a hug. And all I saw was those, that little lapel. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what are those questions? Like from the crib, I could be like, yes, I'm going, I let me in God, because I trust your son, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now let me in. It was like, open says me, let me in the gates. Yeah. And so I like what you're saying about what you have adjusted is that you no longer feel that it's your responsibility to evangelize people and that you don't think there's a trick question about
0: I have to do this because our our iPad just keeps sliding down as we go, but I don't, I can't fix that.
1: So I think that's, that, that is a helpful way to, I think, to think about post-evangelicalism.
0: Yeah. And post-evangelicalism is a great word because people think, no, we have to tell gay people they're wrong because that's love to keep them from going to hell. Totally not realizing. And and Ruben, I did see that you thanked me for the comment. You thanked us for the comment. And we're so happy that we're able to affirm you. Because we wouldn't have been able to do that a few years ago because we'd have been, we want to love Ruben, but we really do need to tell him he's going to hell. <laughs> and it's just so crazy. Yeah, people are, are putting their their <laughs> sins song, Kristen's is witchy woman. I saw somebody else said Eagles and Steve Miller band. Yes, all well, of those things. And for
1: me, it was going to Disney movies. Ooh. You guys remember Snow White, the cartoon. There was a really dramatic animated witch and it it caught like my parents I give my parents great credit for this because we were in this world that said like boycott Disney etc they were like that's probably a little too far they would let us taste and sample like worldly things and so I got to see that movie but I remember thinking I was probably in trouble for seeing it
0: so I love it so yeah go ahead and and share what was going to send you to hell as a child (laughs) it's really funny and we, it's funny that right wingers, I kissed a girl and I, I liked that it. Wingers today are talking about cancel culture. Oh, leftists are canceling us on social media. Oh, Christians perfected cancel culture. We were the best. Teletubbies, oh my goodness, you were well, going to hell if I you mean, watch Teletubbies. Condemning
1: someone to eternal hell is the ultimate, that is ultimate. with your words and your thoughts and yeah. your actions is the ultimate cancel culture. But
0: boy, we boycotted Disney, we I, I can't yeah, purity culture so many. I see a lot of TikTok accounts now with young adult women telling how traumatic purity culture was in their life. This and I heard somebody telling the story the other day about being in one of these meetings and the leader a man, of course, taking out a piece of gum and putting it in his mouth and chewing it and pulling it out and saying, young women, if you have sex, this is you, you are a chewed up piece of gum and think how horrifying. That's what we told young women.
1: Uh, by the way, someone reminded that Procter and Gamble, we boycotted Procter and Gamble. Why I remember that. I don't they know Because they had a
0: 666 in their logo. They had this hidden 666 in oh, their gotcha. logo. Oh, gotcha.
1: Okay. Satan. Satan worshiping.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Kiss. Kings in Satan service. Knights in Satan service. Ni- oh, is it knights? knights? I heard kings. I always heard kings.
1: No. I think it was
0: nice. They banned Teletubbies. They didn't ban Teletubbies. They just said one of the Teletubbies was gay and your kids were going to go to hell if they watched Teletubbies. So and you it, had to turn yeah, off Yeah. And it was also like
1: new agey. So yeah. it was like homosexual. It was a homosexual agenda and a new age agenda merged into one sh- child show. And it's going to take over your kids' brains. It is actually kind of a creepy
0: being show. Being totally honest, I thought it was one of the creepiest shows <laughs> I've ever le- seen in my life. <laughs> but
1: not for, we didn't let our daughter watch we it. We
0: didn't let our kids watch but it just it because, because it was, it was weird. creepy just, I think a pedophile made that show or something. It was creepy. But uh, I, the kids weren't going to hell for watching it. We didn't, our kids like never stopped kidding us because we didn't let our kids watch Harry Potter.
1: Yeah, that, that, but that was scary. They were eight yeah. and three. I mean, that's why we didn't let them watch it then. Nine nine and four.
0: But we did let the kids read Hunger Games and, and then watch the Hunger Games yeah. movies, right? Yeah. Our kids had it pretty easy compared to us. Look how the iPad is sliding down now. This is someday guys we'll figure this all out
1: i know you know what i have to trust that people are not expecting this to be a really polished <laughs> live production because if that is your expectation we have already missed it and you mm. probably are not watching anymore but let's just kind of reset a little bit we know that folks pop in and out of these lives so you may just be tuning in and being like what is this and so yeah so paul pastor paul i'm ashley uh, nonpartisan Evangelical Pastor-Paul.com is Paul's website. You can find podcasts and support on Patreon if you want to get involved there. I have been mayor of Fresno, California, from 2009, yeah, yeah, through 2016. So I've been active in elected office and do community and economic development now in Central California. And we are we are openly talking about how it's time for religion and politics to be permanently divorced. And this has been our message for a long time. And those are the kinds of things that we talk about here. And Saturday morning is our weekly share. So keeping with the theme of coming out of the evangelical church, you had something happen this week mm-hmm. that was affirming for you in your journey. So do you want to talk a little bit about that?
0: Are you talking about the dream?
1: I am talking about Oh, the
0: dream. okay. Yeah. So how do I tell this story? So it's funny. I've been telling people like I'm shadow banned on TikTok and... And can
1: I just say real quick, by the way, I saw someone shared this live. Would you guys just take a second? Would you hit that share arrow, the share as we like to call it? The share Because we are trying to outsmart, I won't say algorithm because I don't want to flag the computer, so I'll say malgorithm or <laughs> algorithm, or I'll use code that only human beings can understand. But can you just share the live because... Yeah, it's been like a really weird slowdown. for, But we're seeing that a lot of people are saying that on TikTok.
0: And Like I said, a lot of Thank creators are saying that. they've seen a weird slowdown. But I don't think any, I've checked a lot of my creator friends that I follow, and I don't think anybody's had a slowdown like I have.
1: We have the worst slowdown in uh, all of TikTok. I'm,
0: I think it's religious oppression, but that's it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's cancel culture. It's just, I've never, I've seen slope times since I've started having a, a pretty well-viewed TikTok page, but I've never seen it like this. It's crazy. But anyway, so yeah, hit that. What'd you call it? The share, arrow that, the arrow that you share. So yeah, it may be that people just aren't using TikTok as much now that Donald Trump is not president. Yeah. That could be true, but yeah. everybody is saying something changed in the algorithm and it's really weird, but okay. Where was I? There are times when I have enough times that people say, you're a false teacher, or I have former friends or former attendees of my church who hate me now. I eh, hate me. That's probably not the right word. Are Believe really you
1: have fallen from grace.
0: Confused at, at why my message has changed quite a bit since the good old days. And so you do it at times you start to say, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem here. And yeah, I've been thinking about that. And so one of my friends and somebody on our prayer team this week said, Hey, remember that dream you had a long time ago. So every once in a while, I'll have a dream that seems somewhat significant in my life. And I'll write it down in my journal. And so this dream was about in the, I'll just tell you in the, in the, I'm I'm feeling really weird telling this story and how I'm I'm conveying it.
1: Because you feel like it's too personal. I don't know if people
0: are going to get it. I don't know if they're going to get it.
1: It it'd probably just go light on the details of the dream. But anyway, what it, what it meant to you. Basically, you know,
0: the then. car, I was in this car and it was hanging off the edge of this cliff. And I thought we were going to go off the edge of the cliff and die. The car eventually does go off the edge of the cliff. And, and I'm able to jump out of the car and magically you know, stick my hand in the water and guide myself to the edge of land. And I'm OK. And even at the time, is that like this prophetic dream from heaven? Or is that something in my core telling me what's going on around me? Or is it just I ate olive covered pizza that night and had a, had a weird dream? I don't know. But I went back and read that dream this week out of my journal and it just said because sometimes we say, okay, if you're riding in a vehicle, like that's your occupation, that's your ministry, that's what you do. And and I dreamed that dream at a time when my occupation was and my belief system was kind of hanging off the edge of a cliff. And I thought I was going to die if I went over the edge. But, but I've actually found I'm really happy that I went off the cliff and I've been able to navigate to where I am today. And so that dream was able to affirm for me this week of, okay, you're in the right place. You're doing the right thing. Don't freak out just because TikTok doesn't like you anymore. It's going to be okay. So anyway, I guess that's the, that's the story you wanted me to tell.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I And I think I want people to hear the hope in your voice yeah. and the fact that you, I love what you said about, it's, it is actually God wants us to let go of, the construct that sort of man and society has, have put on him. It's okay to let it go. It's okay to be in your darkest, deepest place and I used to have faith. I don't even know. I so appreciated the comments that were coming in about, I think somebody said, I, I went to get coffee and the whole way there, I was thinking about whether or not I should still believe in God. And there's more reason to not than to believe. And the religious culture would say, don't you dare, don't you dare. And what you're saying is the heart of God is like, man, it's okay. I got you. And it's okay. If you can't see me, if you don't see me, it's no. okay. It changes nothing about my view towards you and my support for you. And it's okay. If you don't believe in me, it's okay. If you don't pray the right prayer. like none of that is from God, what the religious church has put on us. And so I think ultimately what I, what I'm hearing and everything you're saying is you have been on this journey. You've yeah. navigated what felt like perilous waters. You navigated it got to the shore and like you're safe and you're happy for the journey
0: yeah it's it's like the old matrix thing do you wish you didn't know what you know and there may be times where it's yeah maybe i was a little bit happier when i was naive and didn't know any better and but gosh no when i get to tell a reuben as a trans woman god loves you passionately and he loves you just as you are why wouldn't i want to do that yeah and the one thing I would say to somebody who's maybe I can't believe in God anymore, like, like one of the things that happens, and I think this is what evangelical, evangelicalism feeds into, is you either have to buy the whole bit or reject the whole bit. Like there's you're in or out, and that those are your two choices. And I don't think that's true. I don't think you have to say, I don't hate gay people, and I'm not going to tell them they're going to hell, so I have to reject the whole thing. I think we can be on a continuum and working through the tension of the things we know. Because even for me, I made a determination like I'm not going to tell gay people they're going to hell. I'm going to love them right where they are. But I can still see what the Bible says and go investigate how the Bible addresses this issue and do it with an open mind, because I'm going to love them no matter what I find out. And so that, that keeps us from doing these big swings of becoming the other side of the same coin. I'm all the way in or I'm all the way out. No, yeah. instead, just say, I don't have to believe the way I used to believe. And now I'm going to explore what my beliefs are now.
1: Okay. So uh, changing topics just a little bit okay. back to the dream thing. Okay. I want to share this dream that I had, and this wasn't this week, but I'm telling you, okay. it's You're
0: going to set that aside. That's for right. I'll hold it. I'm not sure that's a safe place. Okay. For you to fine. Put
1: it. okay so this dream was so crazy and so instructive yeah. for the last four plus years and by the way, and all of my like friends and colleagues at work and stuff, like they know every morning I walk in, I'm like, I had this dream last night. So I am a very imaginative person. <laughs> and I think there's probably 10 times more creativity and expression in my brain than I get to let out every day. And so and so you do it in your it dreams. It just happens. And I'm not assigning meaning or anything. Sometimes I actually do feel like, oh, it's helpful to figure out what's going on in my head or whatever. But so this is one of my dreams. This was, I had this dream either right before Trump was elected in 2016 or.
0: I think right it was after. right after.
1: I think it was right after. Okay. Yeah. So in my dream, Paul and I were living in our old This We live now in the second house we've lived in since we've been married. So it was our first house and we didn't have kids at the time, but we were our same age, which is weird. Okay. So the dream is that President Trump came to our house Yeah. here in Fresno on the Fit Garden Loop and came in the house and his like everything puffed up that you see on TV about like his personality. He walks in our house and Paul and I are like, Oh, welcome Mr. President. We knew he was the president. We were greeting him as such. He came in without his security detail and he came in angry and blustery. And he was like, and he walks in, turns to the right. We had this little open living room area, had some furnishings and he goes, I hate this furniture. I would change it. And he He literally just picked up couches, turned them upside down, put a little loveseat on top of a china cabinet, turned it all upside down. And obviously it was a dream, so not real. And somehow the furniture just would stay, but he'd flip everything upside down and leave it. And then he'd walk into the next room and he went into our bedroom and he did that. And he went into the dining room and did that. And we had this like kind of U-shaped house and he went through the whole house and every room walked in. I hate this. I'm going to turn everything upside down did and then walked out and we were following along behind him and every time he left one of the rooms i would look at paul and you were looking at me because i'm the like one who's been in elected office so i must know something about government or whatever and paul would look at me like what's going on and i would say don't worry we'll fix it when he's gone yeah we'll fix it when he's gone don't worry it's going to be okay we'll fix it when he's gone so i do that four five six seven our house wasn't that big whatever get he gets through the house we're in the, it's like, he's up to the last room where he's going in to do this. And, and he's inside the room. And I turn to Paul at the very end and I go, wait a second, this could be dangerous. Yeah. And all of a sudden I flash in my mind to the security detail that's outside all the guns they're carrying. And I'm thinking to myself, just get him out of our house and get him away from us because this has gone from, yeah, it's crazy to no, this is down dangerous. And now look, okay, so that dream was in 2016. There have been so many times when I was just And this like, was
0: why we had very good friends around us saying, no, he's God's man, he's yeah. God's man. Yeah. And we're like, he doesn't seem like God's man.
1: Yeah, so like tw- probably the last year of Trump being in office, probably the stuff about how he was trying to get the yo- Ukraine stuff, dirt on Biden, like things that probably since his first impeachment forward Every day, I'm like, yeah, it's feeling a little dangerous. It's feeling a little dangerous. It's feeling a little dangerous all the way up to January 6th. And I'm like, oh my God, literally, like people are dying. That dream has been instructive for me. Yeah, it's okay. We'll fix it. We'll fix it. We'll fix it till yeah, he better leave soon. And that's ended up being like the last four years.
0: Yeah. And I think I've had people a lot say, you're a pastor. Why are you talking politics? And it's because. This stuff is a danger to people's lives. It's a danger to the message of the Bible. It's a danger to the church. Donald Trump, I I think, I was reading the New York Times 77 Days story. I think we got really lucky.
1: Yeah.
0: I think we got really lucky as a country.
1: So God's grace right there. If he
0: wasn't like really incompetent, he could have really destroyed our nation.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think he's done damage that's going to take a long time to clean up and some of the crap is still out there. But if he were smarter, I think he could have really upended democracy. And and I think we have, I think the dream is a good indicator of, oh, wait, no, we can never let this happen again. Don't take this for granted. So a Marjorie Taylor Greene, we have to deal with that because somebody like that or a Josh Hawley or a Ted Cruz who are Christians and are willing to use their Christianity or Marjorie Taylor Greene to say any means to get in there and ban abortion is okay, are really dangerous well, people to our democracy. And
1: that's why you post the videos that you post. Yeah. And and that's that's why you're trying to put words on, let's take apart the evangelical wing that is one half maybe slightly more of the Trump base with the other half being what we saw January 6th, paramilitary and anarchy and white supremacy. So the church partners with some really interesting
0: things. Gosh darn it, guys. Gosh darn,
1: sorry, YouTubers.
0: I don't know what's going on today.
1: (laughs) But anyway.
0: The devil's trying to get us to stop talking or the Russians, maybe. I don't know. Or
1: ineffective homemade
0: I've never had this problem, though, any other week. It's crazy.
1: Anywho, that's why Paul posts what he does is yeah. let's evaluate the arguments that bolster this evangelical political. And it, I've seen people talking about abortion in the chat. It really comes down to abortion, homosexuality. And if we can, as Christians as ra- or non-Christians, as rational thinkers, if we can take that apart and look at it and really evaluate what the basis is, then we have a chance of hopefully uprooting this. And I will just say, which is worse, all of those feelings and thoughts and viewpoints being under the surface and there and animating people or having it all exposed and come to a head? Because I'm actually torn on that question. Part of me was like, let's just pack it away and pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. And I don't think that's God's best for any of us. I do think that it's, it, it's good to get it out, but yeah, it is also scary. Yeah.
0: I think, so Kristen's been asking a couple of times if we feel like we have the gift of discernment. So, I actually feel like the gift of discernment is just wisdom. I, I So, I saw somebody talking about Jeremiah Johnson, a, a prophet. Like, I have zero trust for the prophets right now. Anybody that's in the prophetic community in our stream of Christianity, I have zero trust for any of them, because I think we've bought in as a, as into a groupthink that is making everybody see these things, and we see these times in history, in the Bible, in, in the Book of Jeremiah, in the days of Jesus, where the prophets were prophesying falsely. And so, I think we're under this groupthink, and so that's why we've had prophets around us saying, "Yes, Trump." Somebody asked why do evangelicals believe Trump is God's man? This end times, left behind stuff. There's going to be this. All these things happen. It's made it easy for people to believe, and so. Our prophets are saying Donald Trump's going to have a second term and are still saying it. And they said it was going to be December 4th and then December this, December 18th, I think it was, and then January 6th and then January 20th. And now it's March 4th. You just got it wrong, guys. Just admit you got it wrong. Repent. And let's start looking for where God really is in the season. So even if another prophet is coming along and saying, now I have this dream about Trump, I'm, I'm sort of like... Okay, so let's discernment, like, how do we walk that out in wisdom? And I think what we would feel from your dream, as opposed to like it being this gift of insight, it's just we just know we Donald Trump was dangerous. It wasn't like he was benign and just a really bad president and a bad guy. And these people believe this and these people believe this. No, this is bad. This following of Donald Trump is bad for humanity. It's bad for our country. And it needs to be repudiated outright by every church in America. And anyway, I guess that's where my gift of discernment lands. Sarah Reed on YouTube, by the way, says, wait, you live in Fresno? Yeah. Yes, we do. You live in Fresno? And the other news is somebody can post on YouTube now. So there we go.
1: (laughs) <laughs> Glad to know that. I also wanted to share one other thing from my week. So last week.
0: Did we explain that? No, so I don't know. Wait. It says, yes, you are right, Paul. So I must have said something right there. Yes, obviously. I'm thrown by our technical issues now. I, I'm, but go ahead. You talk.
1: So last week I made a comment. Oh yeah. I made a comment about somebody asked a question in the chat and they said, are libertarians the same we as independent? we got independence?
0: another Fresnan too.
1: I live in present. Vanessa. Yeah. And a Merced. Merced. Oh my gosh. Central 99. Californians all over the 99 Corridor, place. baby. <laughs> this is like the spine of California, for those of you who don't know. Like, we're like in the middle of the state. And, oh, that's cool. Our family w- our recently bedroom. found you and
0: we love your message. Oh. Nice,
1: nice, nice. Well, Bet nice to King meet you, Sarah. So, a question was asked last week Are libertarians and independents the same thing? And I reacted, no, they're not. And I commented on how I worked with a person while I was at the city of Fresno who was libertarian and I referenced his political views as being wacky and it was really hurtful and he let me know it and we've talked it through and it was, it just was, first of all, I was really sad that I hurt his heart Mm -hmm. because he sincerely, he has deep convictions. And I know that more than many people, if not most all people that I worked with when I was in elected office this person deeply holds his political views. And so I was really disrespectful and being like, he's wacky or that's wacky. Though also I reminded him of all of the things I believe that he thinks are wacky. (laughs) So there's a little bit like, come on. We had a lot of like good back and forth with each other and still do. But uh, anyway, so we talked it out and ultimately what we concluded was the fact that he really is on guard about the government left to run amok does really destructive things. There is no doubt about that. There is absolutely no doubt about that. And from my view, like holding that ideal doesn't change anything about the fact that we still got to fix the potholes in our town, that we still need to figure out how to diversify our economy, that we still need to make sure that we're not a bottleneck for small businesses opening. There's a practical side to like government needs to function That sometimes libertarian point of view at the local operational level gets in the way of just dealing with those practical things because you're upset about the very governance structure in the first place. And so what we agreed was like, hey, you need to hold on to your views and fight for them because of course the government needs to be kept in check. And people who understand and appreciate the value of well-functioning government services need to be affirmed in doing that work. And not believing that government is the savior, of course, but like seeing the value of it, like we do have to have functioning infrastructure, you know? So anyway, we reconciled on that point.
0: If you don't think, so the libertarian idea is all government is bad. Like government shouldn't even make roads. I mean,
1: I don't know because I feel like-
0: The pure libertarian, yeah.
1: I, honestly, my friend would be willing to come on. and. I'm
0: not sure we want to get too deep into the weeds on that. He
1: could, he could express it. I don't want to be the one expressing it. Just- so I'm
0: not saying what he believed. I'm saying what I've talked. I have other friends who are okay, libertarians. Okay, and hi. and so we've had this talk like yeah. you don't think government should build roads in airports. And they're like private sector could do it better. And they'll point to Elon Musk doing a space Tube or
1: whatever. Yeah.
0: And he's now sending rockets into oh, yeah, space. Yeah. No,
1: of course. But and, also, he and, was trying to build a like tunnel right. system under LA. We would
0: say you need government to do a big infrastructure process like going into space. And they're saying, no, the private sector is doing it better now. And so we talk about tension, live in the tension. So if you need an idea of what good government and why somebody like Donald Trump, who all he wants to do is break down every system in the country, COVID would be a good example of when you need a good government system to do something that's just big and overarching, that there's just not a return on investment that can make a private industry take that on. And so you need government to do that. Fire and police, are we going to have that all be privatized? I, you know, I don't think so. So we have to live in the tension of, yes, government can get out of control. And I think we would both agree that having a, a super majority party in a small, big country like California. California is bigger than a state. It's a pretty significant sized country. And we have a single majority super party here in the Democrats, uh, super majority party. Yeah. Because the Republicans are nutso here. Sorry, we weren't supposed to say nutso wacko. The Republicans have lost such favor in the state. Yeah. And we don't think it's good for the state. And most Democrats we know say, Yes, you're right. We need another we need, valid party to pull we against need that. Some
1: some checks on our on us. It's so funny. That's actually I hear that a lot from fairly senior Democratic leaders in California, like, where did y'all go? We need you. And
0: the problem is the Republican Party just went so far to the extreme and is still now we're seeing that fight go on a national level. So they say California is the eighth largest economy in the world. I haven't checked it recently, but I know it was the
1: fifth. We grew to the fifth
0: largest economy in the world, but maybe it's not anymore. But Yeah. yeah, like when Britain voted for Brexit, it dropped, California actually passed Britain in GDP, and became the fifth largest GDP in the world. So much bigger than Texas GDP, by the way, just want to point that out, much larger than Texas GDP. Sorry, don't know why I need to say that twice. So there there needs to be this tension of let's not go all the way to one side or another, that's always going to be yeah. a mantra.
1: and probably to land the plane, which thank you for, you know, being on this little ride some of you on youtube have literally felt the turbulence of our camera <laughs> slipping off but landing the plane from our discussion today like what what blocks people from being able to navigate and hold the tension like you just said and is i I've heard it said a lot, eat the meat and spit out the bones. It's like obviously, there are things that Democrats espouse and value and that they're trying to make happen that are clearly good for everybody. Let's find a way to get those things to work. There are values that are held, center right, same thing. So the inability to have that intellectual flexibility, at least on the right, oftentimes comes from this religious, rigid ideology. So it all comes down to what you're trying to do here, Paul is create space for for people who have a religious background or christians or maybe post christians or whatever to be able to understand like we got to break up some of the root system that has bound us to a type of thinking and ideology that is actually not expressed in the bible and like the world needs us to be different the world needs us to show up differently because we are to be part of the solutions of things that you know confront our cities and regions and state and all that and We're just not able to do that if we're if we're coming from that point of view of that Christian nationalism thing. Yeah. Which by the way, a year ago I had never even heard the words Christian nationalism. And now it's a pretty commonly understood concept. So I personally see that as progress. If you can name it, start to understand it, that helps you course correct.
0: Yeah. So somebody's asking what we consider ourselves, and I would say we consider ourselves followers of God. And I think the need to name ourselves is or be named is a real problem so i think we're people seeking solutions and if it comes from a republican or a democrat who cares let's go after the right answer for a group of people and so i see somebody is listing all the problems of california as if california is, were the only state that has homeless people and that california is a big state and it has many problems you can't deny that it's still the largest and GDP of any state in the country. Yeah. But yes, there are real significant problems and yep. those have to continue yep. to be tackled.
1: Yep. And they can be fixed. And it's There is just the current that runs deep in California is, is creative and fun and freedom. There's something really special about this place. We're both transplants and there are significant challenges on the surface. So we just gonna have to course
0: correct. Yeah. And that landing on that idea that my side is right and the other side is all wrong that that even as you were running and got an endorsement from a democrat ashley was being told by republicans if you take that endorsement you're killing babies was essentially what they were saying you're making abortion possible and you're killing babies that thinking is the problem if if you have to totally demonize the other side that's a real problem and so even democrats need to be able to say hey right-thinking people like Mitt Romney, we want to highlight that because we need good people on both sides of the aisle to come to solutions. So, you know, let's stop with just like California has to be all bad and horrible. It's not. Those stories are way overplayed, mostly by Texas leaders trying to steal businesses from California. But then- We have to be able to say, and yes, there are real problems that we're having trouble tackling. And some of it may be that we have this one party system that needs to be broken up a little bit. So all of those things can be true at the same time. And we have to keep working them through. But if you decide like liberals have to be all bad, California has to be all bad. So many Christians have like, California is evil. Then you start making really bad choices and bad decisions and get yourself put in silly places. Okay,
1: Okay. so we have been going for about an hour. Yep. We're so excited for those of you, some of you are just popping on. Thank you for taking a quick second and uh, checking out this live feed. We've been knocking for a long time, so we're probably going to be wrapping this up yeah. uh, here pretty quick. But let me just say that I sit, let me think of how to say this. So our little routine in our COVID world where we're both still working from home is after dinner, Paul and I sit down on the couch in front of the fire. And I'm working, I'm going through my emails and he's going through your comments and he's sharing some with me, oh, this person's saying this, or, oh my gosh, this is happening in this person's life. And it really means so much to us. And we absolutely love the connection that's happening through this platform. I know it, on the surface, it seems weird. Oh, you can't have a relationship with people who are sharing 60 second videos and two or three sentence comments. I, I get that in my rational brain, but also man, there is special connectivity that's happening at nonpartisan evangelical and old pastor Paul. And I just want you to know, like we really are feeling connected. I do pray for things that you guys comment on or things that you ask for prayer for in our own little way. We're thinking about like, how could we help if somebody reaches out, needs a resource? How could we help connect that person with the resource? And anyway, I just want to say this means a lot to us and we thank you for hanging out with us. Uh,
0: Somebody wants to know what your TikTok page is. You're not really a creator on TikTok. No,
1: I'm shy on social media. I think it comes from being a mayor when Facebook really took off and Twitter and looking back on it, those days were mild compared to now, but I was just head down, do my job, my staff handling social media. And I just found like it wasn't really helpful to take in social media and trying to navigate things I needed to do as an elected official. And so I never really totally got into it, but Paul loves it. So I hang out with him.
0: So this is what we love. Cindy says, I'm a liberal and this platform has helped me to see that I can still be a Christian. Yeah. And those are the comments that mean everything to us. Yep. The, the, I'm an atheist now. I left the church when I was young, but now I'm reading the Bible. Those are amazing. And that's a real privilege for us to get to do that. Or Sarah here who says, the family recently found you. We love your message. Thank you for today's talk. We'll join and watch you on TikTok tomorrow. Amazing. So yeah, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Pacific time, we have a spiritual gathering. You can either see it live streamed through TikTok. We don't do that on YouTube because... I don't know why exactly.
1: Isn't it hard to get Zoom and YouTube to?
0: Now we're Zooming to YouTube right now. So I guess we could do it to YouTube as well, couldn't we? If you joined in the middle of this, of our discussion today, or if you missed my Bible chat this morning, you can go to YouTube, to the Pastor Paul channel and see him there. Go to pastor-paul.com, the events contact page, and you can get the link to join us for the spiritual gathering tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Pacific. Also, this week, I'm releasing another segment of the audiobook series. If you go to our Patreon page, you can hear the audiobook. And I also do some exclusive commentaries on there. So it's really cool. And so I've been listening.
1: So while Paul's in here recording, like you can hear his booming voice to the whole household. So I heard it already and it's fantastic. So yeah, check that out.
0: All right, guys. We speak blessing over your oikos, your household. It's a Greek word called oikos and it means everybody in your family, in your circle, your friends, your co-workers, anybody you have influence on, the supermarket that you go to all the time, we just pray blessing over your circle for Sarah and her family in Clovis and all our TikTok friends. Thank you for joining us and hanging out with us this morning.